0: We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us please visit myfreedom.church This is going to be the final week this in 2019 that we're going to be touching on Colossians. We've got a few Christmas stuff coming up as you obviously heard earlier and you've noted in your diaries. Um, but we'll continue it uh, once again in sometime in uh, January. don't know when that'll be yet but sometime in January we'll begin it again. Uh, last week I started chapter 2. That was a relief, wasn't it, eh? Got to chapter 2. Um, it's a short book, don't worry, there's not much more. But I think it's, it's so good. So good to sit and read His Word. Sometimes it's good to sit and read His Word for the sake of just sitting and reading His Word and just letting it kind of wash over you. But there are other times where it's good to sit and read His Word and, and dwell upon moments. Dwell upon words, dwell upon sentences, and really start to, to get the meat off the bones, as it were, and start to chew on stuff in a really good way. And, and I'll be honest, for me, it's been fantastic for me personally to be able to present this to you, but have the kind of opportunity to know that I'm going to be presenting it to you, but saying, okay, God, I, I want to know what you have to say. You know, when I, when I got to this particular section of verses in chapter 2, I thought, and my initial thought was, I'm just repeating the first five verses. He's just banging on again about false teaching. What what else is there to say? But then I sat down and I read it again, and I read it again, and God started to reveal some things through this that I believe is good for me and is certainly good for the body, for you. So I who's brought your Bibles. What was my challenge last week? Brought your Bibles? Sit your Bibles up in the air. Come on, stick them up. you a fantastic. I don't mind digital. That's okay. Don't mind digital too, wonderful. So bring your Bibles, guys, or bring your digital devices. I don't really care, but we get together together as church, we bring the Word of God with us, don't we? Because yeah. I guarantee at some point we'll have to read it, yeah. alright? Yeah. And if, if we don't, then I don't know what we're doing as church, really. But, so, so bring your Bibles, and well done for those who've managed to do that this morning. So chapter 2, <clears throat> I'm going to start from verse 6, and we'll see where we end up. Hopefully we end up where I've, where I've ended on here, but we'll see. Um, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So if you've already got the Passion Translation, which you guys have, it'll make a bit more sense because it's, 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 it's a newer version. It has uh, some words and ways of saying things which are quite different from some of the older translations. But hopefully you'll be able to follow along. If you've got a digital device, just flick it to the Passion Translation. You can do that, which is really good. All right, okay, let me, let me start. Verse 6. By the way, anybody... Who, just, just Who's... Who's wrote, who's wrote this book? Who wrote this letter? Paul. 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 And, and where did he write it from? He was, he was under house arrest. Prison, house arrest, yeah. And where was he in prison? In Rome. Fantastic. All right, if you remembered some of those things, that's good. Okay. Um, and he's writing to the church in Colossae. Colossi Colossi. Verse 6. In the same way you receive Jesus our Lord and Messiah by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way, for you are established in the faith. You have absorbed and enriched your devotion to him. We'll go on for a few more verses, but I'll stop there and just pause because it says in the very first sentence, in the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way as what? What is, what way is this? What is Paul challenging the people that are reading this or getting it read to them? What is he saying to them? He's saying this. It's really simple. The answer is right there in that same sentence. The expectation on any believer is that once we've entered into a relationship with Christ, things don't just stop there. We, we don't marry someone, do we, and, and think that's it. That's, that's the final line we've, of the final chapter of, of the book of our lives. I've, I've, I've found someone, I've married someone, that's it. I don't have to do anything else. I've just said yes at the altar, and, and there we go. What a, what a dull and uninspiring relationship you would have if you, if you don't want to further uh, uh, your ongoing relationship with your now wife or husband. Because if you think, to think that all you did to pursue one another, like think, if, you, if you're in a relationship right now, and I, and I get for some of us that can be difficult, so forgive me, but this is one of the best analogies I could, I could think of this morning trying to work this together. So forgive me. So if you haven't been in that relationship, imagine this. But if you have been, re- try and remember what it was like to pursue that relationship. To, to, you know, there was all that magic, there was all the feels, wasn't there? It was all lovely and bubbly, you couldn't wait to... To see the other person, you you would spend hours on the phone. I know we used to speak on the telephones. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Maybe even a landline for some of you, and and, and you'd spend hours. I remember as a as a as a a telegraph. I remember uh, uh, I in my late no early twenties I had a relationship with a girl and. Um, she moved to Newcastle for university and I got a phone line a separate phone line installed in my bedroom <laughs> so that we could talk the mobiles weren't really a thing then they were if they were a thing they were massive probably attached to cars uh, and quite expensive to run so landlines were the thing that you did so I got a whole it cost me 170 quid to install the thing this was in the when was it, early 90s so you know it's it, whatever that equates to now, it's probably quite a lot. I think they do it free now anyway, but back then it was, it was really expensive. But I did that because I got all the feels and all the bubbles and I wanted to, wanted to chat to my girl. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we love learning about one another, don't we? We, we, love, we love finding out little things and, and oh, no. Actually, you know when actually, actually, you're on the phone, you go, okay, love you, bye. No, you go. No, 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 you go. You go. You're still there, aren't you? You're still there, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Anyway so so we go through this kind of relationship thing and and we might get engaged or whatever, and and then ultimately we lead up to our our marriage point and, and and would it be ridiculous to think as soon as you say I do, all that stops? Wouldn't it be ridiculous? As soon as you said I do Right, I don't have to pursue you anymore. I don't even have to talk to you anymore. I don't even don't have to live in the same house as you anymore. I don't have to be near you anymore. I don't have to communicate. It'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Some of us think it'd be ridiculous. The rest of you are thinking about it, which worries me. That would be really silly to say that. So we don't do that, do we? We don't. We don't. Generally, hopefully, when we're married, we we keep talking. We we keep learning. We keep loving. We keep exploring, we find out about each other a bit more intimately, don't we? We continue to be distinct individuals, but, <clears throat> but our lives become intertwined, don't they? We, we become one. I kind of, as I was writing that, I kind of thought it's a little bit like the Godhead, really. <laughs> distinct individuals, but one. Intertwined in a divine dance. Yeah. I love it. So we're on a journey, aren't we? We're on a journey with our, with our, with our spouse then and, and, and we should ultimately be able to speak and act on behalf of the other because we would, we would know what they were thinking. We, we would know how they would do things in certain situations. We, we should probably reach a point where we were able to do that within that relationship because we're confident. We know how they would respond and react. And a similar thing should happen. Here we go. Here's the analogy. A similar thing should happen after we've said yes to Jesus. Whatever that, however that yes is formed, whether it's over time or whether it's an immediate yes. You know, once once we once we've realized that we've said yes to Christ, you know, our relationship then begins in earnest. He's been pursuing us. Maybe we've been pursuing him. Maybe we've shown love eyes at one another occasionally. But, um, but at the moment you realise you've said yes to Christ, then the journey begins in earnest. The relationship becomes what? It becomes much more intimate. When we've willingly um, entered into a lifelong relationship with him, we, we learn by his spirit to, to live and to think as he does. I like you two at the front, because I'm hearing yeses and stuff. So You come to the front every week, okay? All right. So... <laughs> We we live and think like he does. At least that's what that's what we that's where we should be heading. That's where the expectation is. So the apostle Paul, learning about the Colossians and their faith, he expects them to be on this same journey of discovery. They're on the same trajectory as every other believer. He expects nothing less. In Paul's thinking, there's, there's no other path. There's, there's no other way that they're living out their lives. And that, my friends, is, is a massive statement. He's making a massive assumption about those people that belong to that church in Colossae. But I think it's a massive statement and a massive assumption um, that's rightfully expected to be correct. If, if, if their walk, or indeed if our walk, is not one where we're desperate to go deeper into Christ, then what's the point? If, if that's not what we're after, then what's the point? just want to go deeper into Him. I want to know more of Him. I want to find out more about Him. I want to be more intimate with Him in a divine spiritual way. Good. Otherwise, what have, what have we said yes to? When it, when, I'll tell you what will happen if, if that's not your desire. You, you'll end up building, or we'll end up building, a life of faith that's performance-based. One that, that pays lip service to God's will. Yeah. Okay, we read scriptures, we, we do what he says, we listen to what people say, we do what they say. In reality, we're more bothered about what other people, how other people think, mm-hmm. and, and how, how, how things might look on the outside. We, we, we become bothered about that. And if that's all true, if, if our spirituality isn't about wanting to go deeper, wanting to know more about the person of Jesus, that one that we've said yes to, then I think our spiritual walk, if you could call it that, is going to end up in disappointment and, and, and failure. Let's not forget, let me, or, let, or let, or let, let me tell you, because some of you might not even know this, so let, let me tell you how far the Apostle Paul had come himself. Now you can begin to understand why he has such a strong assumption about whether, when you've said yes to Christ, where you're heading, what you're doing. He'd gone from being one, it tells you this in scripture, he'd gone from being a bloke who held the coats of people who would go on and bully and persecute and intimidate uh, the early Christians. And probably any other kind of religion that wasn't Jewish. But it tells us in scripture, he held the coats. Can you all this for me, bud? No worries, mate. You know, kind of, I'm off for it. I'm going to bully him. He was the one that did that. You know, he, he must have seen all sorts of and been overseeing all sorts of atrocities committed by his people on this, this kind of early religious sect. That's where he was. A massive persecutor of early Christians' believers. He would take every opportunity to pour scorn on this this, this set of people that were, were beginning to build and to gather and to, to focus around one, one individual called Jesus. And he went from that to one who would give up his liberty in pursuit of Christ. So he goes from being part in, in persecution and whatever other horrible things of these people to actually being one of those people himself. He... he he experienced a radical conversion experience uh, on the, you know, the road to Damascus. In fact, I would say it's more than that road. That, that conversion experience probably is when the scales fall from his eyes. But nevertheless, the popular uh, uh, phrase is, you know, the road to Damascus. You know, it's, it's a conversion experience. So he went, he, went, he went through this massive experience. Saul, as he was known, became what? He became Paul. Saul becomes Paul. He pours out himself, I think. He, he rids himself of this old self and, and pours it and, and, and begins to live this new self. I think that's a, an indication of why the name changes from one to another. And you see, again, it happens so often in Scripture, names being changed to properly identify who you are in him. Saul became Paul, and then he poured out his own life for the one that poured out his life on the cross. So, when you've got someone so passionate, so eager to, to give, his, give his all for whatever he's called to, and to do whatever needed needed to do, or be whatever he needed to be, I think you can understand his expectation that every believer would be wanting the same kind of faith. Willing, actually, to sacrifice all that they are. Maybe even their life. He developed a passionate, a focused vision for his life, which is an example, I think, of what our desire should be for Christ-centred lives 2,000 years later. I think that expectation rightly should lay on us as being people willing to sacrifice all to go deeper into relationship with Christ. As you progress further into that sentence, it says progress further into our union with him. Progress further into our union with him, that is, that is Christ. And as it goes on to say, now, if we find we're not only learning about him when we do that, we're, we're doing the things he desires to do. But we should be coming so deeply rooted in him that any separation from him should be felt deeply, intimately, and, and should be shocking to us. And if you see that of somebody else, it's that shouldn't, we shouldn't ex- accept somebody walking away from faith and go, okay, well, they're on their journey. No, that's a shocking decision. How can they do that? How can we help? In verse 7, it says, your spiritual roots Go deeply into his life as you're continually infu- infused with strength, encouraged in every way. Now, have you ever seen a, a, can we show the root system, Noah? Can you show the root system of, of, of a plant, you know, or, or, or a tree? I mean, I mean, I brought a plant with me. Example. <coughs> Memory things are always good, aren't they? Now, see, look at that, that's, just, that's some mangrove trees. It's a properly complicated root system, isn't it? And then check this out. Look at that. I mean, those of you gardeners will have done this. (laughs) Those of you who are like me are going, what the heck is this? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Look at those roots. I mean, obviously that's just the outside. They're going to go in and through and around and about. They're really intermingled, aren't they? Can we show the next one? Look at that. How many have kind of stepped over those, you know, kind of things when we've been walking in the park? Could, I, I, it's difficult, if not impossible, even with close inspection, particularly with the plant, how are they connected? You know, you've got to really think about which root is connected to what and how it goes where, don't you? And with a plant, with a smaller plant, it's nigh and impossible to see where those little roots are going. So when you discover... The roots of trees, you see how strongly they're connected. And, and I highly doubt that you'd be able to go up to one of those roots and pull it away from the other. I, I don't think, and maybe some of the small ones you might be able to give it a good go. But even when you have little smaller ones, they are so entrenched in the ground, they're not coming up, they're not doing anything. How difficult is it going to be to be able to pull one away from the other? Pretty difficult? Yeah. Pretty Pretty difficult. So if you want to get rid of a tree, what do you have to do then? Well, you I would imagine you get rid of the branches. You you cut down the trunk. And then what are you left with? Well, you're left with you're left with this, aren't you, Noah? Look at that. You're left with that. You ain't got rid of the roots. How are you gonna get rid of the roots? Because even if you manage to get that thing up, you're gonna you're gonna have to start, you know, hacking and and pulling and dragging and and you know. You, you probably grab one root, and, and you'll keep pulling it. I'll just keep on going. You'll be walking as it pulls up. You, I think, I think you, you'd have to be quite dramatic in how you get rid of the roots. It, it'd, be, it'd be absolute woody carnage. There are other ways with chemicals, but that doesn't help my analogy. Okay, so we're talking about woody, you know, hacking and chopping and all that. You haven't got any chemicals. That, they don't exist. You're just chopping and hacking. All right, it's going to be woody carnage, isn't it? Yes. So think on then, think on this way. In the same way, if our roots are expected to go down deep into Christ, then how painful, almost impossible, it should be to extricate our lives from him. If we're letting our roots go deep into him. If our faith has really been one of genuinely seeking and wanting to go spiritually into him. Because then our roots have gone deep. And, and to see ourselves apart from him is impossible. So our desire then, our desire, every, every Christian's desire should be that our roots flow deeply into him. And as they do, this is cool, as they do, they'll be, will be sustained by his strength. And, uh, and we'll be encouraged in all aspects of who we are. I love it that it, it says in this particular translation, I didn't look at the other translations actually, kind of preaching 101, I should have done that, but I didn't do it in this particular instance. But it says in this translation, we are infused with his strength and his encouragement. So what I've just said is quite biblical. <laughs> so, well, Infuse, I found that a fascinating word. It's a great word, infused. There's a certain way that words are said that they just... Oh, comfy, you know. Mm -hmm. Supermarket. No, that didn't work. Uh, (laughs) If you haven't seen the advert, that makes no sense. Um, Infused is to be so steeped in something as to extract the flavours. It's it's to be so thoroughly covered, inwardly and outwardly, with, with this previously external substance that the two would be hard, if not impossible in most cases to, to separate after infusion. It's like, a, like tea in a cup of hot water, isn't it? Try separating that after you've infused the water with the flavours and the taste of the tea. Impossible. Can't be done. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary states infusion to be this, to cause to be permeated with something such as a principle or quality that's why I picked this particular dictionary that alters usually for the better isn't that a good definition when you begin to think about that in terms of what Paul is saying in his letter so we we to be inf- infused by all that Christ is he, he, he's our source he, he's our sustainer The more we know of him, the more we're motivated into action by him. Nothing can be done outside of him. He makes us better in every way. Thank you, Jesus. When we're rooted in Christ, everything we think and everything we feel everything we do is because of Him. Our life with Christ should be so intimately based that it, that it can almost seem like a, a closed system of spiritual growth. What I mean by that is this. As we, as we grow deeper into Him, He enriches us. We absorb more of Him. So we push deeper into that relationship. So then we're devoted to Him. He enriches, we absorb, we push deeper, we become more devoted, and so on, and so on. Isn't that cool? Yes. However, this isn't some introspective self-improvement program. Our intertwined lives have become... Uh, They're destined for a greater purpose. Uh, So, as is usually in marriages, or outside of marriage in the world's case, but usually within marriages, there comes a time when we want to expand our relationship. We want to enlarge our hearts and bring others into our family. And in the natural, what do we do? We have... We have babies. We have babies. So <laughs> what happens, Mike? The well I will explain afterwards to you. Just give me give me five minutes. Um. <laughs> but here's the thing with babies. <coughs> you never leave babies alone, do you? Oh there's a baby. There's a baby. I'll just leave that there then. <laughs> I'll leave that there. They'll be able to work it out for themselves. They'll Be able to find out how to feed themselves, clothe themselves, help them. They'll be fine. And we'll carry on with our little relationship over here. No, we don't do that, do we? We, we continually grow. Actually, in a relationship, you continually grow um, and learn from one another as you begin to nurture together and sustain this new life. My t- two, two things happened in my life. I was a very impatient man. Some people might think I'm still impatient, but um, uh, if you think that now, you should see what it was like. Um, God helped me with my patience, He helped me be more patient. Having children helps me be more patient. <laughs> I got no choice. <clears throat> they pushed that patience. But you have to learn, you have to develop. So within, so for me, within our relationship of introducing these new people, you know, they, they begin to change who I am, fundamentally. I begin to, ha- I begin, you know, I am, I am when, when we're walking somewhere high, all I think about is that Noah wants to jump off. It's good, oh, that looks fun, wee, you know. Like, I, I get so nervous. Like, I, how Bear Grylls, you know Bear Grylls? Yeah. How he does the things he does with his kids, I'll have a heart attack, you know? They're still alive and they're fine, so all, you know, thank you Jesus. Um, but, I, oh my goodness, I, I, I just get butterflies, you know. In other words, again, another aspect, that ch- I, I need to protect them. I need to keep them safe. So I change the way I do life to keep them safe, as best as I can. And, and obviously, then in a relationship, that changes you both. Maybe sometimes in a relationship, you kind of, the kids aren't at home, somehow they've managed to be elsewhere. And you sit down on a table with your partner in front of you and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we talking about? What, what did we do before this? What did, what did we do before kids? For me and Kathy, is what did we do before church? What do we do before kids? What else do we talk about? Oh, you just get sucked into watching TV, which, you know, we, we, we kind of do at times. Although we've quite enjoyed watching my uh, celebrity get me out of here. That's a lot of fun. We like that. But, you know, you, you, have to, you have to still work at your relationship, I guess is what I'm saying, because things become a distraction. So let me just pull me back into my notes. So we must outwork... In other words, we have babies. So for us as Christians, as believers, then we outwork Christ's desire uh, when we enter into a relationship with him. And his desire is that we are called to make disciples. So, so it isn't just that closed system, actually. That it's actually a, a thing that helps us prepare ourselves to go and make disciples, to, to, to find babies in the faith and, and to, to not leave them. You know, what I think when we're honoured to be a part of that, that spiritual birth process, we, we've got a responsibility to bring that new birth, that new person to maturity. Yes. We, we've got a responsibility. We're part of that now. They're part of our family now. We, 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 we don't just leave them on, on, you know, whatever. Well, Jesus, thank you that they've come to know Christ and I hope they find a lovely church with some nice people. No, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. We've got to be prepared to to take walks and to take steps, you know, step out of our comfort zone, step out of what makes us feel cozy and nice and make disciples. Because this deepening of our relationship with Jesus, all our sustenance and our spiritual growth, that should lead to this outward expression of wanting to help others in their journey of their own. That journey that leads to what? It leads to a deepening of their own relationship. And so the cycle of spiritual life continues. With the circle of spiritual life. <laughs> hey, now, okay, um, if you listen to this in the recording, you'll, that probably sounds weird. Um, so, but despite all that ideal, okay, so that's the ideal. That's what we should really be aiming for. That's, that's what we should be doing. Um, Paul expects that of the Church of Colossae, and, he, and, and, and then I think it's ex- I've, I've expressed, that I think like we should be, that's, that's what we should be doing as well in, 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 in us, in, in you know, Freedom Church, in Leeds today. But Paul also presents us with a warning within these verses. There's, we're human, aren't we? Anybody not human here this morning? Okay, we're all... We're all don't stick your hand up, No, that's odd. But uh, we're, we're all... We're all human. And there's a non-biblical proverb. Can I give you a non-biblical proverb? Yeah. <laughs> to err is to human, to forgive divine. In other words, we, we, can, so in other, we, we can err, we can error, Okay? And, and so in other words, we can become distracted. We can become actually intimidated by others. It says on verse 8, Be Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. So no matter how rooted we are or how we think we are, there are those that will want to do their best to prize us away from experiencing all that Christ has for us. That's his fullness. And even though that would be a really painful process, as I described earlier with that woody, you know, disaster, we can be susceptible to powers of persuasion and clever thinking. We, we all to err is to human. In the Aramaic, of which some of the New Testament is, 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 is made up of, the word intimidate can be translated as strips you naked or in the Greek, takes you captive. So Paul, Paul is continuing to talk about false teaching. He wants to teach us about false but attractive, and what some might term progressive teaching. But I'm telling you this, if that leads us away from biblical truths, we leave ourselves vulnerable to being metaphorically stripped naked enslaved and captivated by teaching not found in scripture. And most importantly, not found in the words of Jesus. And last week, I talked about what that teaching was that he's referring to. Well, in his days, he's referring to Gnostic teaching. Do you remember that? Gnostic teaching, and that is, it's a form of spirituality that says, um, um, body or material stuff, bad Spiritual good. And only in the spiritual, which rejects... Remember, it's, it's, as far as they were concerned, creation has been made by an imperfect being, therefore creation is imperfect. So, so um, only in the spiritual will special revelation come. It's kind of like the basis of, of Gnosticism, in a simple way. However, I think, and I'm going to say this, we can apply that warning to any modern teaching that digresses too greatly from nearly two millennia of wisdom and thought. Do you remember I said last week, it doesn't matter that we're in 2019, it doesn't make us any better or worse than somebody who lived in you know, 519. They were humans, exploring life, discovering a relationship with Jesus, writing things down. There are things that we can learn from those that have gone before. We, 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 just because the time is, is, is long doesn't devalue what has been said. If we thought that, we would throw the Bible away. Okay? So, in this, (coughs) this translation says that these false teachers operate with humanistic and clouded judgment based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. So again, referring to what I said last week, is what I said there's a bit of Obviously, he continues this theme of teaching throughout Colossians, Um, so I can't avoid but referring to, again, my message from last week. This verse is, is warning us not to listen to a godless society when forming our own theology and doctrine, and to only look to Christ, to look at his truths. And not try and distort them with clever arguments and make him say what is deemed actually in this fleeting moment of, of human existence as, as acceptable. And to generate things that he didn't to generate things that he didn't say, actually. And and in fact some actually argue from silence. And to he never said anything so for example, he never said anything about whatever it is, so therefore and it is not wise to argue from silence. Do you know why? Because when you argue from silence, all you're doing is filling that silence with your biases, with how you think about stuff, with how you feel about stuff. That's all you're doing, you're just filling that silence with you, and that gives you permission to end up saying only what you really want to say. Should never argue from silence. Always, always talk from what is. I was gonna, I was gonna finish. I'm I'm pretty much done, but I was gonna finish at verse eight. Uh, uh, And 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 I'm reading through my notes this morning. I'm thinking, how am I landing this plane? I can't just finish there. How am I landing this plane? And I was prompted to read through to verse 10. I'm not going to go into intimate details from these, but, but I'm going to read them to you and I'm just going to give a very simple finish to, to, to my talk this morning. I love verse 9 and verse 10. You ready? You ready for this? For he, that is Christ, is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our own completeness is now found in him we are completely filled with god as christ's fullness overflows within us he is the head of every kingdom come on and authority in the universe if you take away anything from my sermon this morning Then let it at least be these last minute, this last minute or so, and and reflect on on those words. Christ is our supreme example of how to live a good life. One that that, that is loving, that, that is humble and forgiving, but also one that is bold one that is courageous and sacrificial. The truth of who we are ultimately, who we are is is ultimately found in him. We're only complete when we're at one with Christ in a deeply profound and life-changing relationship. In fact, we, we can only realize our full potential when we have that divine connection, the divine nature of Christ flows through every Christian believer. And indeed, it overflows out from us to everything we connect with, to every person we engage with. Through the authority vested in each one of us who believe and have said yes to him, we can bring into all situations and to all circumstances the rule and reign of King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just... uh, Just... Just read the scriptures and let Christ speak to your heart. Let him move you, let him shape you, let him change you. Awesome. Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message. Please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching, please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from Freedom Church.